It is my great joy to welcome you to City Reach LA today. My name is Josh Houston. I'm the lead pastor here. Today is Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers in the house. Where are our moms at? Yes, we love you. We celebrate you. We honor you. You guys are awesome. Um, I was thinking about this, though. While it requires little effort to sprint into the joy, into the celebration of the day, I want to sit for a moment with the possible pain of the day. Um, because for many, this day likely brings deep sorrow. For the loss of a great mom, or never having a great mom, or maybe the pain of divorce, or the anguish of a miscarriage, or maybe never even having met your biological mother. So before I jump in today, I want to communicate that if today is a painful one for you as a church family, we stand with you. We're with you. I'm, I'm sorry for the agony, for the grief or anger that this day may stir up, and I pray the peace of Christ over you during this moment and during this time and during this weekend, um, that Christ would meet you in the midst of it all. And I find that the beauty of a relationship with Jesus is that he doesn't ignore our story. He doesn't work around our story or in spite of our story. He meets us right in our stories. So if you need a touch from God today, I pray that over you in the name of Jesus. Today, I want to I preach a message entitled A Mother's Love. A mother's love. I find motherhood fascinating. Um, when a, when a, a woman becomes a mother, it's like something that's always been in her comes alive. It's like something that's been deep and latent and, and un, unwoken gets woken up. She gives birth to this new soul, but it's like something inside of her comes alive as well. It's also born. I love that when Amanda had Aria, our first I was given the opportunity to know my wife in a way that was never possible before. That I, I got to know Amanda in a way that never existed before. I had known her for a long time, but to know her as mother was impossible before that day because that just didn't exist. So I could now encounter her and fall in love with this piece of Amanda, this new dimension of Amanda that wasn't possible to do before. And I got to tell you, she's a remarkable mother to our two children. I'm, I'm exceptionally grateful to have such a powerful, if you know Amanda, such a powerful yet gentle soul that helps shape the identity and the character of our two kids. Um, you know, when they say when, when raising kids, you're essentially just kind of creating versions of, like, new, new versions of yourself, um, which is awesome or scary, right? <laughs> you can teach them, you can discipline them, but far more is caught than taught in parenting, they, they, watch, they watch, they watch so closely, they pick up on how you talk to each other, how you argue, how you respond to inconvenience, the, the energy that you put into the room, and intentionally or not, they become what they watch. So knowing my two kids, I just want to brag about Amanda for a second, knowing that my two kids are with Amanda the majority of the day is so comforting to me. She is the brightest soul I know. I love you, boom. I'm so thankful for you. And I'm blessed and I'm fortunate enough to have a phenomenal mother myself. Here's a picture of my mom. This is her um, New Year's at Times Square. My dad took her there a few years back. Um, she, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Like, I'm, like my exciting, my fun, my crazy, this is where I, she is where I get it from. I want to show you a couple more pictures. So this one, this was my senior year of high school. She was wearing my football uniform. I had this, those were Mickey Mouse gloves, and it ended up kind of looking like Hamburger Helper a little bit, though, right? <laughs> but that was Halloween, my, my senior year. Here's another one. So 
she's a Broncos fan. I'm a Raiders fan. AFC West in our house is kind of brutal. But, like, she goes to it. She goes for it during football season, too. Next picture is this is ordination night. This was when I was ordained as a minister. Just so powerful for her to be there with me. Um, this next one is the la- like a latest. This was Easter with her and my dad out in church in Orange County. And the one I want to sit with today is this picture. Um, this is my favorite picture of my ma and me. Um, it just like it represents so much of what we share. I grew up playing a ton of sports. Uh, soccer was my love, though. I played 11 years. I played club soccer as well. And when you grow up in a family with four kids, a dad who's a pastor, there's a ton that happens in family life, just a ton. And a sport like soccer, especially club soccer, it made it challenging for my whole family to be at everything, um, to be at anything for that matter, right? Um, my ma ended up becoming my soccer support. Um, I have an awesome family. I love my siblings. We're very close. My dad's a freaking rock star. He's very supportive. My family showed up to a lot of stuff, but my ma, she took me to countless practices, to countless tournaments, to countless games, standing on the sidelines, cheering me on. And I remember very vividly this this tournament that we were playing in San Bernardino. Um, This play is like seared in my mind. It was pouring rain. I was on a breakaway, I'm running at the goalie, the goalie comes out at me, he slides. He hits me and the ball goes flying over him. We just like rolled over each other. The ball landed a foot in front of the goal, floating in a puddle. And we both looked at each other and we got up and we sprinted at it. We both fell into the puddle. I was literally like sitting like this in a puddle of mud up to like my neck. The ball went in the goal, everybody's you know going crazy. I looked to the sideline and my mom is in a trash bag. I don't know if we were too poor to own an umbrella or if it just caught us off guard, but she's in a trash bag in the pouring rain jumping up and down. And I like this image is just like seared in my brain of like that kind of support. Like that's who my ma was to me and is to me. Regarding my soccer career, I know she was with me no matter how far the tournament, no matter how long the games, no matter what had to be sacrificed, to, to play soccer for another year. I knew I was not alone. <clears throat> my ma had my back. And that, what that did, though, was that impacted not only the way I approached soccer, but how I approached school and friends and work and finances and faith. It hit everything. And I, I hope and I wish and I pray that everybody has somebody like this in their life. You know, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a boss or a colleague, or a neighbor, or maybe someone even in our church family. That, that feeling of knowing that somebody has your back, it goes so far. That support system, maybe even just that support soul, that you know, even when I'm facing deep challenges, they're with me. They're standing with me. Or the opposite, right? That feeling, the emptiness that we feel when we know or we believe that we're alone, that I don't have anyone to stand with me, alongside me, facing deep challenges, you know, and I know a lot of people think the Bible is, it's just an old book that's barbaric and archaic, and it doesn't really have much to speak into our lives today, but that's not my experience. I mean, culture progresses, technology improves, time moves forward, forward, but people remain relatively consistent through time. You look at scripture this narrative we see of the Bible, this, this love affair of God with humanity, 
it is filled. It's a book filled with real people, with real stories, with real problems. And we can relate to them in so many more ways than we realize. And, and we see in Scripture, ever since the first of our kind, it was not good to be alone. There's something in us that, like, needs each other, that wants each other, that needs someone to stand with us. Something deep in our bones was created for intimacy with each other, for community, for solidarity. And when we have that, when we're living in that, we thrive. Having a soul to stand with, maybe even certain seasons crawl with, right? That causes our soul to flourish. But the opposite is true, that the abandonment, the isolation, it deteriorates our soul's capacity for life and for joy. Our reality is we need support. And I think an archetype in scripture of this kind of support is Mary, the mother of Jesus. I love, I love watching Mary in scripture. She is awesome. There's a reason God picked her to deliver Jesus, to raise Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this week. I frequently wonder actually what her experience must have been like. You guys ever thought about that? I don't mean just like, we often think of like the, yeah, giving birth to a kid in a major sure. But like walking through her story, what must it have been like to parent God? I mean, first you get the news, right? This angel shows up to you. You're going to have a baby, and it's God's, right? And you're like, this is wild. This is incredibly wild. And then your stomach starts growing, and you're like, wow, that was true. That wasn't a shroom I ate or something, right? Like, this is actually going down. And then the birth, this, like, poverty birth, you got, like, cows mooing over your shoulder. These shepherds show up that you don't know. Later, these wise men show up to your house. They're bringing expensive gifts and honoring your little toddler. <laughs> Wild, right? And then raising Jesus. You ever think what, a, what it would have been like to discipline God? Can you spank God? I mean, like, what must have, <laughs> she had to process this, right? If he's being a little turd, like, do you, like, what do you do? He's Jesus, he's God, what do you, and then when do you have the conversation with him? Hey, Jesus, come here, we need to talk. So, I mean, not to make your, your head big or anything, but your ultimate reality. You ever, like, wondered what existed before everything existed? It was you. <laughs> like, when do you have that conversation? When he's five? When he's seven? I don't know. And then teenage Jesus, staying out late with his friends. Do you set a curfew for God? I mean, you could trust him, right? So, <laughs> like, what, what, and, then, and then the adult Jesus living with his mom. Oh, I would have loved to have watched, like, a dinner conversation with 29-year-old Jesus and his mom. Just that intimacy that they shared. Then the start of his ministry, she must have been so proud, excited, filled with anticipation. Like, this is what it's all been leading up to. 30 years ago, that angel, 31 years ago, that angel met me. And this is what it's all been leading up to. He's going to set us free. This is what it was all for. Awesome miracles start happening. Needs met. Radical teachings. But then people start questioning him. Some begin to discredit him. His numbers start dwindling. She's still with him. She's still God's back. 
And then there's a story that stands out to me. At one point, Mary's, Mary and Jesus' siblings show up at this place where they want to talk with Jesus. And someone said, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers, are, they want to talk with you. And he's like, who are my mother and brothers? Whoever does the will of my father, that's my mother and my brother. And I can see the guy going back outside and be like telling Mary, like, hey, this is what he said. You know, she's like, he said what? <laughs> I don't care if that boy is 30. I'm going to smack him, right? He, I know, he knows who his mother. I'm his mother, right? <laughs> but she's got his back. And over time, more followers are lost, more angry rioters than a death sentence than the cross. And she's one of the only ones there at the cross watching her son get murdered naked, hanging in front of him, in front of her. Even when it looks like her son has utterly failed, Mary's in a trash bag in the pouring rain. I have your back, Jesus. I'm standing with you all the way to the end, Jesus. A mother's love is deep. It goes deep. And I think most people today can relate in this sense, when you're a kid, when you were a kid, it's likely that for every friend that you had that had a great dad, there were probably 10 who hated their dad or didn't know their dad or wish they never knew their dad. Fatherlessness, it seems to be an epidemic in our day. Consequently, our mothers are stepping up, right? Our mothers are stepping up. So many that I knew, so many that I currently know, grew up without a healthy male figure in their life. Growing up without a solid man in their corner who was rooting them on, who showed them what it means to be a man, a man of integrity, a man of character, how to treat women, how to follow through with your word. The recurring story of our generation is the mother as the hero. These heroic moms, a constant presence, who companions, who journeys, no matter the circumstances, no matter the failure, She's relentlessly faithful, a mother's love. But what I'd like to submit today is a simple question. Must this kind of love be limited to a mother for her children? Must this kind of love be limited to a mother for her children? This kind of faithfulness to another, this sacrificial and flagrant support of another. Do we have space in our heads? Do we have space in our hearts to allow this kind of love to expand beyond the boundaries of motherhood? Because I think this is what Jesus intended for his church. When Jesus envisioned the church, when he, he envisioned it to be filled with a people who do this, he dreamed that it would be so concentrated, like, like espresso concentrated, he, he wanted it to be thick with people who know how to stand up for another. That the church would be bursting and busting at the seams with men and women who faithfully and relentlessly support another in their companionship to another. And this is what Jesus had in mind when he was putting his ragamuffin group together. This is what he had in mind. In church, he was so inclusive. He said, if you want to be part of my group, if you want to be part of my crew, if you want to be part of the family, all you got to do is follow me. All you got to do is follow me. And then he said this, do you know how onlookers are going to know you follow me? It'll be your love for each other. 
people that are watching, the, the way that they are going to know you follow me is the way you treat each other. Those who do not consider themselves part of the family, those that, that consider themselves out, they will watch the way you treat each other. They will watch the way you stand up for each other in your successes, even in your failures. They'll watch as you're standing for each other and with each other in the pouring rain with a trash bag on. They will observe all of that, and they will think to themselves, I've never seen this kind of love before. Is this what it means to follow Jesus? Is this what it means to be part of his church? What kind of crazy love is this? Jesus said, this will be your primary witness, your love. What is the church defaulted to, though? A belief system. An exclusive club that agrees on doctrine. Here are our foundational truths you must believe into if you want to be part of our sacred family. But I think Jesus has serious issue with this. In Jesus' mind, belief came further down the road. Jesus' order was follow, then you can believe. I mean, the disciples didn't even know who he was for a while. They didn't believe in him for a while. He says, if you follow me, if you stay close to my hip, I have no doubt you'll believe later. Jesus is really smart. You believe not because I told you to, but because you've seen my heart. Because you stood close enough to me to be able to trust me. Your following me will convince you to believe in me. Guys, we need to get back to our roots. What's the point of all this? It's about following Jesus. It's about knowing him intimately and then loving the hell out of each other. Like, that's what this is all about. The church needs more companions. People who mother but don't limit that love to their children. You don't have to change the world. You don't have to change our city. You will find yourself on the edge of radical impact simply by asking yourself this question. Who might God be calling me to stand with? You will find yourself on the verge of changing someone's life simply by asking yourself, who might God want me to companion, to elevate, to with? I love verbing with. Who are you withing? That's what this is. That's what love is. It's withing someone. Faithfulness to another should not be a job left for moms. This is the responsibility of the church. Mary set the pace for us. Billions of moms are setting the pace for us. My ma, standing in the pouring rain in a trash bag, they're showing us what it means to stand with someone. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to jump up and down when you succeed, and I'm going to support you even when you're being an idiot. Even though you keep falling on your face, even though we're circle around this hill over and over and over, I'm going to stand with you. I mean, maybe they're being an idiot. Maybe they, maybe they keep falling on their face because no one will stand with them. And have you ever considered that the person that you're remaining faithful to you're not giving up on them. You're rooting them on even in failure. You're standing with them. Have you ever considered that they may go further than you? That they might actually change our city. That they might actually change our world. They just needed someone to stand in their corner while they did it. Your greatest contribution to humanity 
it may be your resolve to stand with another who can go further than you. Are we okay with that? Our city, our world needs a church that knows how to stand with others. A church committed to a mother's love. Who might God be calling you to stand with? I want to invite the worship team back up. We're going to go into a time of response through prayer and worship and singing songs. And I, I also want to invite up our t- two of our leaders right now for prayer. Um, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on in your heart and your life right now, circumstances, the situations. Um, we want to have leaders up here each week that are ready and able to stand with you in prayer. If something's going on and you just want someone to pray over you and to stand with you, just to come to one of these two and say, would you pray for me? Would you ask Jesus in faith? I want to challenge you to ask yourself today, who might God be calling me to stand with? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? A family member? Maybe a church family member? Who in your life needs someone in their corner? Rooting them on believing the best about them, calling out the greatness, that quiet greatness that's waiting to be called out. Who needs that from you? Imagine the impact of our church, even a small one like ours. Imagine the impact of a church that's resolved to withing. We're going to be faithful to people. We're going to companion people. We're going to elevate people. We're going to dedicate ourselves to stand with people through success, through failure, trusting that as we companion them in their journeys, Jesus will redeem the brokenness to beauty. Who's God calling you to? My prayer over you this Mother's Day is that we would not limit that kind of love to motherhood. That like my ma and Jesus' ma, our church would commit to the radical journey of withing. Who might God be calling you to stand with? So God, we approach your throne again. In the grace that you offer and the love that you offer, God, you showed us how to love first. So we follow in your your footsteps. And in the footsteps of so many moms who have stood in the gap and stood in the brokenness next to kids needing you. So I pray that whatever you're doing in our hearts right now, God, we will respond with yes. Give us courage to say yes to you, to be faithful to you. And that some that are sitting in this room right now, they may just need a song sung over them. Others might need to stand and lift their arms and worship to you, God, as they're responding to you. Others might need to come up and ask for prayer from a leader. But God, I pray that you have your way in this room in this moment. We say yes to your plans. We lay our kingdoms down for yours. We acknowledge you as God of our hearts and God of the city. So it may be in our church, it may be it's in our city as it is in heaven, God.